And all of a sudden, it all happened together. And uh, I opened the cupboard door, and the Pope was there, no, which was on. nice. No. And uh, and he, he said, uh, "How much?" So so I got my odor eaters from another place now. Oh, uh, well, you got to get them all kinds of flavors as well: uh, spicy tandoori and cheese and onion. Uh, Two minutes on a low grill, and uh, are we there? <laughs> yeah, officially, yeah, we're is here this, now. It's just running now, right. But, yeah, it looks like everything's, uh, batteries are in, we're off and running. Good, right. Here right, we go. Well, yes, I hope so. So, uh, all our odries all our talk has made me right hungry. So, let's cast away, folks. Next stop, Beetle Places Podcast. Woohoo! Arr. Jazz, it's Mark and Cole with another episode of What the Doctor Ordered. It's the Beetle Places podcast, available in tablet or capsule form. Oh, yes. No liquid? No? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, we're here to brighten your day or lighten your night or um, sort of shades of evening <laughs> with a good old podcast like they used to do in 2018. Talk about the Beatles and their formative years here in Liverpool. Hey! It's also a bit of fun and hopefully a nice diversion from other things like all the cold weather oh, and the wet awful. weather bloody and the awful. sun and everything bloody else, awful. including bricks and rotten eggs and all this and the other. But enough about lovable, handsome me. <laughs> Who wrote this? I uh, did. I'm, oh, good. And by the way of a contrast, uh, over there is the co-host of the show and author of the book that has started it all off is the man who vehemently argues that everybody was not kung fu fighting. It's true! It isn't. I hate that record. <laughs> it's Colin. Hello. Or Col. Hello. Yes, either either, either or either. That'll do me. Good evening, everyone. Hello there. Good morning. Good and tag. Good and... Couldn't it be lovely? I can't think. Anyway, it seems to be going well so far, Mark. What do you think? It's all right, yeah. Well, hello, everybody out there in podcast listening land. It's uh, Col here with, with his good old chum, Mark, and I'm more than happy, it says on my smartwatch app, uh, to be here presenting another happy-go-lucky, devil-may-care, keep-off-the-grass, mind-your-head, Mrs. Show called... What? I always lose me thread at this point in time. Maybe I'm just happy. Cut to the end. It's called Beetle Places Podcast. That's basically it. It's the um, usual merry old mix of Beatles fun, facts and laughs. And uh, this podcast is basically just our excuse to talk incessantly about the Beatles, the best band in the world, and all about their formative years here in good old Liddypool. So um, if you've had the, uh, if you've had trouble sleeping, here's the cure: the Beatle Places podcast. Aye, well, well, did I shout too much? There? I'm sorry for <laughs> just a little. Yeah, just, uh, we'll have to work on that slogan, Col. Yes, yes. uh, I think. Uh, well, you got. 90% of what he said is right, so <laughs> 1% is maybe closer. Uh, we'll, uh, we're here to entertain you today with a good old-fashioned show. Uh, <clears throat> yes, um, unless something better comes oh, along. I hope not. So uh, set your Microsoft team uh, on Do Not Disturb. Put your out-of-office assistant on Outlook. Put the milk bottle out for the milkman. <laughs> board up your windows and enjoy the Beetle Places podcast with the... Uh, Thing and what's the name and you 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 do, and him doodah it's Ian Bitsy right is 
that the time? You know, the older I get, the earlier it seems it gets later. So we better get cracking on. Uh, live from my parlour on our horrible March night. Once again, it's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. And we have more than your fair share of Beatles stuff tonight. Uh, in no particular order of merits, without question, the, we've got the terrifically good Beatles trivia quiz with Mark. More fiendish Fab Four questions to Google after the show. <laughs> we also have Mark presenting this month in Beatle history. And then it's me. It's me. Um, uh, me or him or both. Uh, I'm going to do the Beatles book review. And uh, then Carl. Oh, that's me again. <laughs> I should type myself more often. Are you on something? No, not yet. Uh, I'm on a chair. Uh, with the Beatles album review, and it's an interesting feature tonight, all about Liverpool College of Art, and all the teachers that were in it when John Lennon and Cynthia Powell were there. Well, there you go. Right, without freedom of speech, we'll never know who the idiots were. <laughs> um, <tarkle>. <laughs> uh What more could you ask? Uh, for uh, for free. For free. For, for, for free. free. It's always for free. It is. Uh, keeping it going. Yours truly and yours, unfortunately, Mark and Col, <laughs> and our own inimitable, uh, irritable style, with daft jokes and rabbiting on for no apparent reason. Can't this help, is the ideal podcast to while away a quiet evening, uh, potholing or grouting or. Um, Be your neighbour's bathroom. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Yeah. Do something like that. So potholing away, in your neighbour's bathroom. Anchors away, uh, uh, trousers on. Uh, up, uh, <laughs> socks on, settle down, cup of tea, anchors ah. away as we commence for another Beetle Places podcast. And don't forget, a splendid time is guaranteed for all. You want the best. You expect the best. You deserve the best. So while you're waiting, here's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Never a truer word. Welcome one and all to Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. And now here's Mark with the first feature. It has to be one and that's the first one. The first one is the first one. And for all you ladies out there, the ex-hand glove model Sagittarius Mark, six foot two with his stocking feet and five foot six on stilts, is Mark. Uh, friends with 25 letters of the alphabet but he doesn't know why. First to go, that's a terrible joke, isn't it? But I loved it when I read it. Uh, first to go in today's Beatle Places podcast is the terribly tricky trivia Beatles quiz. And here's Mark to do all the honours. Well, thank you very much. Oh, uh, thank very, you. Back. Very, very kind. I'm Aquarius, actually, not Sagittarius. <laughs> Just uh, a guess. <laughs> Wild guess. That's co host Carl, whose philosophy is don't give a. Uh, life is a game of chess. Yes. <clears throat> Nearly said something wrong then. <laughs> and he can't play chess. So while Carl is busy ringing his lawyers, uh, let's have a, a, a brand new Beetle Places trivia quiz. Are you ready? Another dastardly collection of uh, questions that he just can't afford to uh, not know. So here's question number one. There's three of them, so one, two, and three in that order. Do you, do you want to mention one extra item to that, Mark? I will, oh, oh. halfway through. Halfway through, in fact. Right. Question number one. Who left the band to pursue an art career? All right. Who left the band to pursue an art career? So it, it's not one of the, the four main ones, is it? Because uh, they were there at the end. 
So they didn't leave the building. That I'm aware them. of, yeah. Yes. Also, another one. Who left the band to begin national service? All right, that's a bit more obscure, that one. And before we go any further, these questions are coming from a, a wonderful book <laughs> written by somebody called Colin Gardner. Oh, I know that fella. Big, 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 uh, small guy. Uh, wears thick socks. Blonde bloke with black hair. That's him. And it's called The Brain Busters Beetle Quiz Book, and it's by that bloke sat opposite me, ah. Colin Gardner. He wrote this book, and there's loads and loads of quizzes, uh, questions o- in it. Over a thousand, mate. Are it over a thousand? Yeah, over, a thou- it, over a hundred rounds. It's taking you an evening to do that lot. Two. Two, Two evenings. So, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, go on to the, the well-known uh, purchasing uh, website where you can buy things from, yeah. uh, you'll find this book in there. It's called The Brain Buster Beatles Quiz Book and uh, while away an evening. Thank you very much. Driving yourself crackers. And finally, question number three. Who was given a feature credit on a Beatles record? All right. Quite a famous bloke. Still knocking about. So... Uh, who was it? So hmm. those questions, once again, answers coming later. Who left the band to pursue an art career? Who left the band to begin national service? And finally, at number three, who was given a feature credit on a Beatles record? OK. Answers later. And a little clue. Mm. Mm. He played at the Royal Albert Hall in the George concert. Ah, yeah, he did. He did. He did. Uh, or so, should we say they did? They Just did. Because you never oh, know, it could be a woman. It could be three people. Uh, <laughs> so that's those three questions. Answers coming a bit later on. OK. Right, then. Are you ready for next bit? Aye. Right. So we've done, done quiz. Right. And uh, we're still listening to the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. Now What? Giving unemployed, good-looking, tall, handsome, well-groomed voiceover artists a bit of part-time work. It's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Is that all right? Yes, it's fine. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Next. And we're all done here. The Beetle Places quiz returns for a reprise in a wee while and answers after another wee while. Maybe uh, after a wee. Excuse me, yes. Uh, this is the place for all things Beatles. If we're not talking about the Beatles, then we're talking about... What, why, why we're not? Why, why we're not talking about the Beatles. <laughs> that's confusing. Yeah, well, it's bad English, but that's another story. Aye. There are other po- pop star podcasts available... Minus uh, sort of uh, gluten-free, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I even saw an Elton John one the other day. Did you? I did, yes. Which reminds me, Carl. I heard yeah. an Elton John joke yesterday. It's, it's a little bit funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later on oh, in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, make it as late as possible. Right, when we're finished. Uh, now, let's join Col, regular, Col's regular feature. Regular? Regular. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it says here. How thick are your glasses? Well, my dad's name is Reg, and it's R-E-G. Oh, God bless there, him. So yes, of course, yeah. Uh, the Beatle Places album guide to the Fab Four. This time, it's the last Beatles album, Let It Be. Eta, Mark. Now, you mentioned jokes. Here's a joke for all you mind readers out there. Uh, what's that? Uh, yeah? No? 
Don't you get it? I don't get that. Oh, no. okay. Okay, <clears throat> get what? What's uh, that? Right. So, uh, so Beatles album guide. The oh, last I last remember two. now. <laughs> <laughs> Subtlety, yeah. maybe not. No. So, um, <laughs> the album that was meant meant the end, but didn't have the end in it. Yeah, it's time again for the Beatles album, Beatles Places album guide to the Fab Four. This time, it's the Beatles' last official album, Let It Be. Let it be. Let it be. Was released May 8th, 1970. Blimey. It was recorded between Jan 69 and April 70. Um, and wasn't the Beatles' actual last album made? They released Abbey Road first, and along the way, many recordings even overlap. So the track listing, I'm probably going to ring a lot of bells here, but it began with side one, two, two of us, Aye. dig a pony, across the universe, I mean mine, dig it. Let it be, Maggie May. Flip it over, there's side two looking at you. I've got a feeling, a one after 909. The long and winding road, for you blue, and get back. back. Yay! Not bad as albums go, especially last albums. Some songs are very short and some had even little asides in it. If you listen to all the little commentaries, it did sound like a lot of fun when it was being made. And Paul wrote, uh, if you don't know, famously, he wrote Let It Be and The Long and Winding Road on the same day. Same day? I mean, I don't even wash the dishes on the same day. Oh, I... Memorably, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Memorably, they filmed a lot of the preparation for the album, which can be judged with hindsight now, because most of us have seen the Get Back movie. Is that, is, it's called officially that, isn't it, Get Back? It is, yes. uh, As imagined by <laughs> and re-edited by Peter, Peter Lord. Is it is Peter? It? Peter? Um, no. Peter? Peter Lord, no. Something. Uh, the guy who did uh, Peter Jackson. That's him, yeah. yeah. Peter Lord Jackson. of the Flies. Yeah, Lord, Peter, Lord of the Flies, Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always felt it was a sad album because when I was a kid, it was, it was probably one of the second or third albums I was buying. But all, 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 the, band knew, uh, for all the band knew things were closing anyway, coming to a natural end as, as such. So it seems a happier album now we look, at it, look back at it. Uh, the one regret is that Phil Spector got involved, as far as I'm concerned, which gave rise to the naked version a few years later, yeah. which I bought as well, and I, I preferred. Mm. What did you think of it? I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney didn't like the... Uh, he was very obsessed with the uh, yeah. production that Phil Spector did. He ruined it, really, and he said they'd, he'd never had have girls singing on uh, any Beatles record, didn't he? Oh, well, the, the Yoko sang on the White Album. Did and, she sing? Uh, kind of sang. No. Maybe she stood on a tack. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Right. I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, so God, good lover. It's the way she sings. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah so Phil Spector's thing, mm, you know, we kind of took it for granted. Now we kind of expect it when we play it. But uh, the Naked Album is very worthwhile for comparison. Uh, on the... Uh, on the plus side, though, uh, the inclusion of Billy Preston improved things loads uh, on that album. It just seemed to be a bit more uplifted with him on it. And I think the band appreciated him turning up because he kind of lightened the mood because we're getting very gloomy. Uh, even if the Get Back movie says they were all right and they're having a laugh, um, there were times when they weren't happy to be in Twickenham Studios filming so early in the morning. It wasn't it wasn't Beatles stuff. It wasn't the way Beatles things were done. And there was talk of them of him joining the band as well. Was there? In, in the uh, Get Back movie, they do talk ah. about him. Um, so what if we have a make it a five? Five yeah. Beatles I would, with I would, Billy Preston yeah. to join. 
I mean, the, 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 sign, the signs were there that other people were going to get more involved. Eric Clapton had a bit to do with them, and, and yep. there, were, there were sort of more... I mean, the orchestra being used since about 65 was signs enough, anyway. Um, there are two old Quarrymen songs that get an airing on that album, too. Which ones can you think of, Mark? Ooh, I'd say um, the one after 909. Yes, and an old Liverpool song, yeah, Liverpool folk old, song, um, Maggie May. Yeah, it's Maggie called a traditional, a traditional song, yeah. isn't it, Maggie May? In the, in the lyrics of the Maggie May song, uh, she was meant to be a lady of ill repute, and she operated, let's say, her self-employment from uh, Lime Street, which is a very famous street in Liverpool. And uh, as a matter of trivial fact... Paul's relatives lived on Lime Street. Uh, they ran a little shop there. Uh, I can't remember her name, but um, it was way back, way back, way back when. And before way back, way back when, hmm. um, Lime Street was named after the lime pit that used to be there. Oh, oh, right. Apparently. Ah, yeah, that, you're making sense because there was a lot of quarries in the area, weren't there? So, yep. Yeah. Um, I always do the thing about the album covers. So the, the photos on the album cover were by a fellow called Ethan Russell. I've never heard of him since. Haven't you? No. Oh, <laughs> no. famous but, bloke. But there are, oh, famous. 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 But um, <laughs> I've never heard of him. I don't, I don't get how much you're, you're glossing up. Glossing we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to delve into his... Um, well, uh, anyone out there can Google him. You've got a phone, you've got a computer, have a go. So, uh, mm. Ethan Russell. Um, but those pictures are iconic. You can picture all four of them, just as the way they are. And do you know why it was, um, it was kind of bordered around in black? I think that was meant to be symbolic. Was it? Yeah, meant to be. Right. Um, the, the suggestion was it was kind of a... Uh, sort of a last will and testament, uh, and that's the way it was kind of wrapped up, like you'd see a eulogy or uh, like a, a thing, a, a funeral, a final sort of very final, thing. yeah, sort of you know the wrapping. Um, some newspapers actually said it was the last will and testament of the band, but now we can see it was all right. Uh, the Get Back movie is a happy movie, a good movie, and full of fun. And it really wasn't as bad as, as the original version was when that movie came out yeah. in 70, 71. All they did was pick on the bad bits, really, didn't they? Then uh, yeah. the arguments and stuff like that falling out. And yeah. was none of the laughter that they had, you saw in the, in, uh, the Get Back movie. Yeah, I've got uh, an old version of the of the Get Back movie, uh, the, yeah, Let It Be, yeah. the album. And um, I don't, I've only watched it the once. It was a bit... It was a bit of a mizzo affair for me. Mm. Uh, didn't didn't tune into it. Didn't enjoy it. I've enjoyed Get Back. Um, Peter Jackson did all the right things, and it looks lovely. It looks you know splendidly photographed and interesting. <clears throat> Even if it's just a band, you know. Tuning it up most of the time and yeah. smoking hell of a lot. Preparation on the roof as well before the uh, yeah. everything got started, um, and the. Um, the police invading the place at the end with the complaints about the noise. I think they were happy about that. Yeah. I think that made a bit yeah. of a climax to the movie. But, you know, uh, all yeah. things considered, the Let It Be album was done and dusted and so were the band. So that's it, my review of the uh, Beatles album, Let It Be. Play us backwards and it still doesn't make any sense. Beatles Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Well, according to this gas bill, this is Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. And now we definitely move on to another oldie and yet goldie. It's over to Mark and his teeth for this month in Beetle history with Mark, brackets, I can tap dance to Glynister. 
that's me. Yes. There you go, lad. I'll talk uh, about a build-up. I've got all my teeth in today. Oh, yeah, I uh, can polish see. Polish them especially. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Lovely. That, that glue is. You'll have to recommend that glue when you uh, when you've got a chance. It's called uh, tooth glue. Mm. <coughs> <laughs> Don't know why, but you know. Don't why know not? why. So uh, this month, this week, this today. Uh, I'm right doing now. Uh, right now <laughs> immediately. I'm doing uh, this month in Beatle history, and because it's March, uh, I'm doing March. How about that? It makes what sense. A, what a coincidence! It makes sense. So um, <laughs> uh, we go back to say uh, the beginning of March, 1967, and they were doing Sergeant Pepper's, preparing for that, mm. recording that, mm. doing lots of takes. And on Wednesday, the 1st of March, 1967, seven takes of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds were recorded in the 7 o'clock to 2.15 a.m. session. And then the 7th was reduced into take 8, so they bounced it bounced down. Bounced it down, as you call Ready it. for overdubbing. The first task of this session, though, was to add a new piano track onto take 6 of Day in the Life. An odd move, considering that the master mono and stereo mixes had already been made. So whatever the purpose, this additional overdub went unused, which uh, I wonder what it would have sounded like. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe they've, uh, it's, it's around somewhere, it must be. So um, we'll dive on a little bit further. Please. So that was the 1st of March. We'll go to the Thursday the 9th of March. So they're still at it. Uh, <laughs> doing uh, Sergeant Peppers <laughs> and another 7pm seven thir- 7 to 3.30am session oh, because they always did things in the evening because they thought the voices were better that, um, after a, a day rather than when you get up first thing in the morning your yeah. voice is a bit hasn't been used properly yeah it's strained so, isn't it yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, it's, but by the end of the day um, like mine is now, it feels a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you've spoken a home, home, home yes, pipe there. The, uh, it's the old hobo and the old hobo or whatever it is. <laughs> Kicking in. Yep. 7pm to 3.30am session on the Thursday the 9th of March saw the start of Paul's Getting Better with seven rhythm tracks take, uh, rhythm track takes recorded mm. and then seven being reduced to five. So... Did a lot of bouncing down from one track to another and, uh, into takes 8 through to 12. So they really went mad on that one. And take 12 being marked the best, ready for overdubbing on the 10th, the 21st and the 23rd of March. So a bit of a, a busy day on uh, yeah. Thursday, the 9th of it, March. It was to do, I think, with how primitive the mixing desk was, as it was. They could have expanded it because even at that time in 1960 odd it was a case of the Beach Boys had 16 32 tracks available to them and yet EMI not being skin flints they only had four and uh, so any tracks were made they they were so polished in terms of performing I think they managed to knock off the vocal with maybe a bass or but bass and drum went down usually first yeah and then the vocal was just a case of putting it on top of everything else so bounced they, it down to uh full production you know, isn't it and now it's done in an instant on a phone on a phone you don't even have to be together in the same room you don't even have to sing which doesn't uh you don't have to even be in a group or in it yeah alive even. or there yeah <laughs> shut up i am Good. i have right uh <laughs> finally uh, we'll go to the 17th of March. Why not? Yes. It's a nice day. Yes, to the 17th of March. Friday the 17th of March. Cheers. Yay, oh, 17th of March. It's the 17th of March, everyone. 
Right. It's a nice cup of coffee, though. <laughs> Uh, 17th of March, Friday the 17th of March, 1967, another 7pm to 12.45 session, during which in six takes, the orchestral score for another new McCartney song, She's Leaving Home, was recorded. Unusually, the score was not by George Martin, but by a different freelance producer and arranger, Mike Leander, who was paid £18 for all rights to his work. Just like that. He should have left it, shouldn't he? Yeah, I'll take the royalty to uh, George had been busy with one of his several other artists and Paul, reluctant to wait, had gone to Leander, a decision which stung George Martin a bit. He was a bit upset about that. Showing good grace non- nonetheless, George was prepared to conduct the musicians in the studio and admit that Leander's arrangement was effective. There were ten players, Eric Grunberg, Derek Jacobs, Trevor Williams... Jose Luis Garcia, John Underwood and Stephen Shingles, Dennis Vige and Alan Dalziel on cellos, Gordon Pierce and Sheila Bromberg on harp, the latter being the first woman especially recruited to play on a Beatles record. Ah. There you go. Remember that name, Sheila Bromberg. Sheila, Sheila Bromberg. That's it. Write it down and never forget. One B. She was the first woman. One B, another B, and a G. Okay. Right, so that's it, uh, my month in Beatle history. Splendid stuff. 1967. And an interesting year you picked as well. Yeah, interesting. The album was like, because it was the uh, pinnacle of their performance, you picked exactly the right month, exactly the right year. Well done. Very interesting. I even interested myself. (laughs) On the way. How about that? (laughs) Well, cheers. Bottoms up. Beetle Places Podcast with Mark and Col. Serious radio broadcasting. They say the three hardest things to say in life are I'm sorry, <laughs> I need help, and Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. It is. Yeah, actually, it is hard to say Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce, yeah. <clears throat> I've been using your tongue glue, whatever it's called, teeth no, glue. Teeth glue. Well, <laughs> may, may, maybe there's a fourth, and it's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. Bloody, bloody mouthful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I'd called it Col's show or something like that. haven't been like taking that. those uh, things again. Gobstoppers. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, hello, everyone, and everyone out there and in here. And that's Mark and that's Col. So that was the marvellous Mark with his month in Beatle history. Good month he picked. And he'll be back next time. Well, next to no time. And maybe even sooner than that. And probably just next time. So what's next, I hear you ask. I'm glad you reminded me, folks. Because it's another regular Beatle Places feature. It's Beatles Book Review. And if we got a chance, we'll uh, both have a go at this this time round. Because uh, uh, when when me and Mark or Mark or two people of general height and weight and pay packet <laughs> review a book or two, it's this time in uh, this time it's Beatles book review. So let's get cracking. Hey hey. That's Cole uh, talking there. It was a bit like my vacuum cleaner. Uh, a bit slow on the uptake and uh, <laughs> needs hair digging out every now and then. It's, it's full of fluff. <clears throat> Nevertheless, we got the Beatles book review because I think there's a little typo here. We're going to do a feature. We'll do that in a bit. Aye. So we'll do the book review. Have you got a book? I have. It's this one. 
Oh, it looks like it's square. It's got writing on it. That looks like a book. It's got words in it. And words inside. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's have a look. Right, it's the, there's the first page. Very ah, red. Yeah. And it's called... Shiny. A Hard Day's Right. Written by Steve Turner. Uh, and it's the story behind every Beatles song. Every Beatles song, ah. he says. And some uh, nice photographs that I've never seen before. Yeah, they are good. Co colour photographs. Colour, yeah. And um, quite a decent uh, write-up on uh, every Beatles song you could possibly think of. Uh, so, how about picking a song, and uh, I I'll will. see if I can find it. In I here will. And I'll tell you a bit about it. I will. While you're there. I will. 1968-ish White Album. I will. So right. let's find what. If what was I the can... story behind I Will, Mark? I will. Oh, I've I got Mark to find will. it first. First, okay. you know, that's that's the thing. <laughs> it's it's very very near here. It's a heavy now. book. I can tell you that from here. It is. Yeah. It's uh, got quite a few pages in it. There's plenty to read. That's, I like I like a good book when there's plenty in it. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't know how long ago I got this actually. But, um, well, we can enjoy it in a minute. We can. You said I will. I will. Why can't I find it in here? You said every book, every, 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 every song. song. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't give me the uh, the page. Oh, why don't we? So while you're t chatting away, I'll see if we can find the thing. Okay. Uh, come on then. Uh, say something. I can tell you about the book I'm going to review, which is called The Beatles Are Coming! The Birth of Beatlemania in America. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that straight after we've heard from Mark with A Hard Day's Right. Right. And Mark's found the song that I was after. Yeah, it's I called Will. I Will. Um, a nice picture of Donovan on the page there as well. I think it is. Yes, yeah, that looks it like is. him with hair. Uh, and it says, I Will. Hmm. Paul spent 67 takes, 67 takes, I mean, getting I Will right on September the 16th, 1968, with Ringo playing on cymbal and maracas and John tapping the rhythm with a piece of wood. It was the first of Paul's songs to be written about Linda, and he was still adding and changing lines as it was being recorded. He started the song in India, but being unhappy with the original lyric, he stripped it off and started again. So uh, that's one little bit. I, from this I, I book. didn't know any of that. No, I didn't. Uh, and I thought I knew a little bit, a little bit about the Beatles. I can recommend this book. It's uh, by published by uh, Carlton, uh, written by Steve Turner. It costs a quid. Well, when it was published, twenty quid. Uh, whether it's still available, I oh, do not know. You could reckon. I don't know, but I can uh, recommend it. Quality. Some, that's great. Some nice pictures of the cavern in there, and uh, contents. Every song in there. Some nice pictures of the houses, uh, early pictures, and um, yeah, I go for it if I were you. Every song, uh, it's kind, it's kind of wraps up the story, doesn't it? Because the back history is one thing, the canon of work, the the music is another, and uh, even some of the um, sort of bootleg stuff that you, it's hard to get hold of. Oh yeah, tell us about uh, stuff like us... uh, what's the new Mary Jane and stuff like that. Yeah, what, uh, is what, in it as well. What, what do we know about that? Um, uh, John wrote What's the New Mary Jane with Alex, who's uh, Alex Mardas, oh. the Greek-born uh, John Alexis Mardas, mm. who uh, was the fantastic electronic engineer who was supposed to build them a, a huge and glorified uh, mixing desk, uh, but nothing came of it at all. Mm. It didn't work, uh, so they got rid of him. So uh, John wrote What's the New Mary Jane with um, John Alexis Mardas, uh, in uh, 1968, 
demoed in uh, in May then that year, uh, and it's it's a I, bit unorthodox. I've heard it, it is, and uh, um, I kind of don't go. I don't go with it really. Yeah, it goes on a little bit really. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of uh, you know my name, you know the B side on the last uh, last single. Yeah, uh, seemed like a bit of a laugh, but not a serious song to speak of. It's yeah, it's sort of. Uh, it's, it's a put down of um, maybe somebody in the Maharishi's circle, it says. Yeah. And significantly, John had been recording Sexy Sadie the day before. So uh, at the end of the recording, John can be heard saying, let's hear it before we get taken away. <laughs> a year later, he planned to have it released as a B-side with a Plastic Ono band single, but it was pulled at the last minute. It was real madness, said John, describing the track in 1969. I'd like to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. I mean, that, the point was he experimented non-stop. The, the thing was, it was a little non-beatly. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I'll give him some credit, though. He, so, he, he did try experimenting more than some. Yeah, so recommend that book, A Hard Day's Right by Steve Turner. Go out and buy it if oh, you can yeah. find it anywhere. Yeah. Invaluable, says Paul Denoyer from Mojo Magazine. And so do you two. I too. do, yes, yeah. it is. Uh, thanks, Mark. I'll read that in bed tonight, I think. The um, the uh, the other one you can't read, because I'm reading it at the moment, oh. and I haven't finished it yet, is a book called The Beatles Are Coming, The Birth of the Beatlemania in America. So it is. Uh, written by a chappie called Bruce Spicer. Know him. Um, you know him. <laughs> I do. And it's mostly, and it, it, the thing is, it's a bit of a niche book. Um, it's about a phase in the Beatles' history from uh, February of 63 to February of 64. Uh, kind of a just, you know, less than a year, really, to speak of. But it's all to do with when the Beatles arrived in America, literally, uh, and how that was negotiated, how that was dealt with, how that was promoted. Um, it From the standing stars, nobody knew them. And then one or two people uh, picked up on it. And it was just by a lot of circum uh, happy circumstances, uh, coincidences, <coughs> that um, the Beatles even got on American radio. And from there, a little bit of interest. And from there, a little bit of success and a little bit of attention. And um, from there on in, with the release of I Wanna Hold Your Hand, and down to one or two people, I, I was going to do something uh, along the exact same lines, which is c construct like a book on the basis of what happened in Paris when the Beatles were waiting to hear about America and when they got to America on the release of I Want to Hold Your Hand. But uh, this book has just overtook me and it's far better than anything I could put together uh, with much more detail than I could get hold of. And uh, fantastically done, this Bruce Spider fella. Um, he knows uh, his limitations here, but he's gone and got everything to do with that phase in time. He got, um, he understands the recording companies, politics, and why the Beatles were not promoted straight away, and why they were put on very low-level subsidiary album covers and albums, uh, albums like Swan, and album uh, companies like that, LP record companies like that. And uh, eventually, it was down to one or two people who were fans who just by the grace of God got hold of the record by uh, friends. Even an airline stewardess handed um, the Beatles records to a boyfriend of hers in America. And that's one way the Beatles took off. Uh, the other way was just by chance, it mentions how Ed Sullivan was passing through England when uh, he'd been to, I think he'd been to Sweden and he was waiting for his flight home. 
And on the same day, the Beatles were, were on their way out on a, a European tour. I think they were going to Sweden. And Ed Sullivan noticed this mania in the airport. And he said, what's this about? And when he found out it was about just a musical band, um, he knew no more about it than that. And that's when he first noticed the Beatles. He physically noticed them the first time. It, it just went on and on. But it's so many uh, situations that could have gone in a different direction and let the Beatles come and go, really. They could have just been around for a week and a half and then gone. Mm. And uh, But for the, the promotion of the record in the right way, but for the fact that Capitol Records finally conceded to promote the stuff and just for the happy coincidence that they became number one just as they were coming to America so many lovely things happen in the right order um, let's not forget that we were talking about a few months after President Kennedy had been shot and we're talking about the need for some kind of lift in America, some kind of good news. And it's always been said that when the Beatles appeared on the Ed Sullivan show, um, the the millions and millions of people, 70 million who watched, uh, they tuned in because it was, it was the nicest news they'd heard all the time uh, for months. So it was just a way of getting around, uh, uplifting the mood of America. And haircuts and, and the way they talked and the way they acted, it, press interviews, it just enticed them. Irreverent, weren't they? They were irreverent and lovely with it. I and think... The, um, the music helped as well. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the success they had at appearing on um, the Ed Sullivan show on February the 9th was because it was my birthday and that, I think that helped them along as well. I think, yeah. My birthday. Yeah. <laughs> as a percentage... Yeah, it was about ninety-eight oh, percent, at least fifty. Did they ring you up just before they went on? I they think did, they, yeah, they checked, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I so, just coming um, from school. I think this did. Bruce Spicer puts a little comment in the back saying, yeah. "I think it was most." He says, "Actually, what I've just written um, has not <laughs> not considered the fact that Mark was born on the same day the Beatles performed on the Ed Sullivan No, show. I wasn't born on that. I wish day. to apologise for this. I wish to apologise for this error. I was ten, I, uh, and that the fact he was celebrating his tenth birthday it says here in brackets again, yeah. and uh, I wish to apologise for this erratum. I'm still waiting for um, money to come from oh, that. Well, well, yeah, well Bruce is, uh, Bruce is uh, aware. I'll that's give, for sake. I'll so that, that's the book uh, the the What book, a load of rubbish that was. The book I got is from Bruce Spicer. It's uh, it's American import. I got it um, through ah. a well-known website. Ah. And it's on 498 Publications. Who are they? No, no idea. idea. Um, that's another book, one though. to look for. A great book because it's, um, if you're talking about like you're focusing on one topic, this is a great Beatles topic. I don't know why the guy isn't more famous, but I'm sure Mark Lewison will give this guy a lot of credit when he chronicles um, that phase in time when the Beatles had their history in America. When was the book published? Oh, Is it a new book? Yeah, I think or? it's a wee bit old. It's even got a forward by, God bless him, Walter Cronkite. Ah, he's uh, gone. He, and uh, what, a, what a, you know, the most trusted man in America, I was told. Ah. Uh, 2003, this book came out on ah. 498 Productions. 20 years old. Though. Great big book, full of pictures, um, full of comments, uh, rare stuff. Um, and yet the guy really knows his onions on this one. He's got the detail to um, a nano level. It's so if, really he can get, if he can get hold of it, go for it. Yep. yep, there you go. The Beatles are coming. Worth a read. Beatlemania in America. Bruce Spicer. That's buy the man. You can, if you can. You can buy it off me, but I'm going to put the price up. Ah, okay. oh, well, I might not then. Thanks, folks. Super. Now then, now then, it's the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. So pay attention. There might be a written test later.
What happens now then? <coughs> I coughed. Ah, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Where are we up to? Um, Page 42. 42, chapter 9, line 6. Right. Um, <coughs> and it gives me a chance to talk about the, the um, Liverpool College of Art. Right. Let me okay. give me a book. Right. Which book is this you're getting? It's my own. It's Colin's own book and it's called... Beetle Places. That's what it says on yeah. the front and on the side of it as well. And on the back. And, and it's got and on, his name on it as and well. And on the underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind, it's Beetle Places feature time, folks. Uh, quickly going over some things. Me and Mark can talk about what's next. And um, I just thought, um, let's go into the book because there, I love getting detail from this one because uh, being local, you can get this kind of thing handy. And uh, with the assistance of the good old Liverpool Museum and the Liverpool College of Art archives, I got this. So we're talking about the time when John Lennon went to college and he went to become an art student. Don't know if he was intending to be an art teacher, but Liverpool College of Art, actually called the Regional College of Art, was set up to promote art, art, art school teachers and yeah. create them as well, doing what they call an ADT, an art, art diploma, te- art, art dipl- uh, a, a diploma in teaching. That's it. And, um, Get there eventually. <laughs> ADT. Now, Stu Sutcliffe uh, went to the uh, College of Art. Uh, Bill Harry went to the College of Art. And a few old mates from uh, his previous school, Quarry Bank, went to the College of Art. That's just a fact of it. But John Lennon went there, and in his time, he was famously seen and noticed as a maverick. Um, he didn't do a lot of work, but he was famously there. Um, because it was boiled down to the fact that his old headmaster at his old school um, helped him get there. He didn't have the qualifications as such to get in, uh, but on recommendation and upon a little bit of portfolio of work and his Aunt Mimi's insistence, uh, that she would pay the first year of his educational grant for the year. He went in and uh, he, he did all right, but the thing is, he made those connections when he was there. He met Paul, he met George, because they were in the school next door. He met Stu Sutcliffe, who was a big influence on him. As well as that, let's not neglect those people who taught him, because there were a few. And um, uh, I'll name a few and we'll see what goes on. It's funny how everything sort of slotted together just at the right time. Just so many things, yeah. you've just got to go, oh, that happened and this happened on the back of it. So it's all about that, really, with, with Beatles stuff. So, Lots of it's luck, isn't it? Um, entirely. And right. uh, if, we were, if we were luckier, we'd, uh, we'd know more. So the art tutors were there. Let's name a few. There was a fellow called Alfred Whiffin. Alfred Whiffin. He lived in Hoylake in the Whittle. And he wasn't that far away from where Cynthia Powell lived, Cynthia Lennon, to, to later be known as. And uh, Hoylake has had quite a few art artistics in there, including a few other people I'll mention in a sec. Uh, our Alfred, he taught life drawing, and he lived close to Cynthia, like I mentioned. There was a fella who was uh, called Philip Hartas, and he famously had a quote about John Lennon, and he was a uh, an art teacher who taught sculpture. Um, he was a student at a very famous college in London called the Slade School, and uh, Henry Moore was his teacher himself. So there was some kind of um, um, talent there. But um, he wasn't much older than John, to be fair, and yet he couldn't stand him. And he called him a fellow born without brakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Mm. As well as there was um, the more famous guy who, the guy who basically allowed John or got John to uh, stay on an extra year, even though when his scores and his intermediate um, exam results weren't showing him in a great light, um, this fella helped him stay on this extra year. And that was a fella called Arthur Ballard. Ah. Um, he was born in Liverpool, Anfield, in 1915. It sounds like a long time wow. ago, doesn't it? Yeah. 1915. 1915, yeah. He was unconventional, uh, which is probably why there was a bit of appeal for John Lennon. Uh, he was an ex-boxer, and he gravitated to the world of art quite late in life, and he taught compositional intermediate art, so it was exactly where John was being taught. Um, he often held his classes quite informally. Um, that included the pub round the corner, Ye Crack. And we've been in Ye Cracker. Uh, we have. Yeah, and enjoyed their porter, which is lovely. It's, 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 it's bitter ale, but it's very strong bitter ale, isn't it? A bit like Guinness, yeah, in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Arthur taught in the pub, and he taught to Stu, uh, Stu Sutcliffe, in his Percy, um, Percy Street flat. Uh, gave him private lessons on his talent. So that was uh, quite true. Uh, let's see. Um, what else was there? Uh, a fellow called George Jardine. Now, George Jardine was another art teacher at the Liverpool College of Art, and he lived, like a lot of the art teachers, in sort of attic areas in a place called School Lane, which is not far away from the art college. It's near a place called Blue Coat, Blue Coat Chambers. Bless which you. Is a nuts, thank you. A Blue Coat Chambers, <coughs> an art gallery near, uh, nearby. Used to uh, be a school. Ah, entirely. And uh, nowadays, and since then, it's been an art gallery sort of place. Yoko Ono even did a bit of uh, display in there. And I mean art. Um, and fa more famously, and I'll finish on this, is um, the lady who posed nude. <gasps> sort of, let's call her a life model. Oh, aye. Um, she was a friend of John Lennon's, more of a friend of Stu Sutcliffe's, actually. And her name was June Fairlong. And she lived in the same road that Brian Epstein had his flat in, in Faulkner Street. And she lived a few doors up, and she was a famous uh, local lady. But she was a life model, very pretty lady in her time. Gone now. She died just a few years ago. Um, but she was a life model there, and she only retired in her 70s, I think. So, um, sorry, 68, she, she retired from wow. taking, taking her kit off. So um, I've, I'm still doing it, as you know. Yeah. So, um, as we speak, she um, she started when she was seventeen, and uh, you know what I mean. So uh, she managed to come from she she did that sort of work in London, and then she gravitated back to Liverpool where she came from, and she worked for the College of Art there. And John Lennon was forever like you know um, making silly jokes at her expense, mm. but he was a friend of hers, and they often went round to where she lived in Falconer Street. And at one time, when the college was doing a pantomime, <coughs> she, they, Stu Sutcliffe and him went round and they borrowed some clothes off her just to wear, just to be ridiculous. Just to dress, dress up a bit. A corset and things like Aye. that. So, um, yeah, I, I, as it goes, the teachers were um, just the usual woolly bunch of uh, people who go, oh, go him, her. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, they all, had, they all made a big difference to what John Lennon was. On another occasion, I'll cover those people who were his art student friends, people like Phyllis Mackenzie, Anne Mason, Helen Anderson, people like that. And we'll talk about that another time. So there you go, little feature, little Super. mention about the College of Art in Liddypool. Super duper. Right, 
Just going to run through the uh, the old Beatles trivia quiz oh, questions ahead. once more. Right Are we ready? <clears throat> so I did ask three questions, and I wanted to know who left the band to pursue an art career. Okay. Number two was who left the band to begin national service. And finally, who was given a feature credit on a Beatles record? So from very early to very late in the Beatles' career. Uh, those three questions, who left the band to pursue an art career, who left the band to begin national service, and who was given a feature credit on a Beatles record? Qu answers coming up very, very soon. Once you've gargled. <coughs> there you go. Yeah. I'll, I think I'll have a chocolate. Oh, you're welcome if you can find one. There's good news I've got there. The oh, page. good there's, news. There's some good news chocolates. Just looking through... Um, the George Harrison book called mm. I, Me, Mine, and there's lots of nice photographs in it, and uh, a picture of uh, Good News Chocolates made by Macintoshes. Yeah. Should now, we explain what we mean and why it's, why it's in there? Because from the album, the, the White Album, or The Beatles, mm -hmm. uh, there's a song called uh, Savoy Truffle, and uh, George Harrison borrowed or pinched um, <laughs> a box of chocolates... Pinch. Uh, from his friend. Do you know who the friend was? Can you remember? Eric Clapton. It was. Uh, and he, he went through the names of the chocolates in the uh, in the box of good news oh, and uh, picked uh, quite a few things. So there's ginger sling, the Savoy truffle, cream tangerine, coffee dessert, um, Montalimar. Oh, right. So any, any more that aren't in the song there? Pineapple treat. It ah, is a pineapple heart, he, he could says. could have rhymed that, couldn't he? And... Uh, Coconut and caramel, a bit hard to rhyme oh, yeah. that one. Caramel. Almond Sunday, that's not in it. And Toffee Cream Brazil. Oh, definitely not a rhyming no. one. No. Nougatine Cup. No. Oh, well, <laughs> there we go. I'm hungry now. <laughs> what happens now? Well, um, I thought um, I'd grab a little moment. I'll, in fact, now you talk a little bit of George trivia. Give me a bit of Paul trivia. Um, he can work it out. Did you know, I mean, you do know, and no doubt who's listening knows. And this person here next to me. And the well. guy here, and the yeah. guy who's knocking on the door outside. Aye. Um, Paul did a lot of work on a lot of songs uh, in the Beatles' uh, catalogue um, without the aid of other people. Um, he played drums, of course. He played a lot of instruments himself, and sometimes he did the whole thing. So here's a little, uh, little mention as to what he was on and what he did. Um, if you listen to the song Taxman... He, it's a proper stinger of a song, I mean, admittedly, but he repeat, uh, repeated 13 seconds of squawking lead, uh, lead, which is the guitar bit, as you know, very sharp staccato guitar work, that fiercely underlines George's dismay at having to hand over most of his earnings to pay for hospitals and schools and so on. Sure. Taxman. Um, so Paul played Taxman. He was the guy who played Taxman. I had the feeling for a long time it was George. Completely, yeah. completely thought that. In fact, um, Paul features again on the lead guitar on the first vocal line for Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as the song. Um, and the reprise of the song, George Aye. George took over and did Aye. the bits and pieces. That, to me, sounds a bit more rocky. Um, and on Good Morning, Good Morning, same same album, mm -hmm. um, Paul did the brilliant lead guitar that uh, peaks at about 146. Now you're in gear, as John says. Um, he he was there doing that. Nobody else. When I, again, I thought George was in charge. Um, Paul played the drums on this song. Dear Prudence, did you know? 
I didn't. No, because I know Ringo was absent for a few songs back in the USSR. Paul played on that. Paul played the recorder, you know, the uh, old-fashioned recorder, Aye. on Fool in the Hill. And he performed it again on Glass Onion. So he's all over the place, this fella. I mean, he's a one-man band. He is. So there's a few facts about Paul being a multi-instrumentalist. Excellent. Jolly good, then. So that's that little bit. We've done a bit of George. We've done a bit of Paul. Aye. Um, so uh, what's next on the agenda, Captain? Um, well, if it's all right with you... Aye. Um, I'm going to do a thing called Take a Trip Around People Places. Right. I'm going to mention a few places that me and you know really well. Um, and just to give a hint that if anyone ever comes to Liverpool, um, you can do it in lots of little ways. But in, in the book I've um, put together called Beetle Places, um, you know, sometimes you don't have that much time. You're a tourist, you're not from around here, and you're going to stay either an hour or two because your bus is late, or you're going to be here on a cruise liner, or you're going to be here because you want to come to Liverpool and see the place. And uh, very shortly... In Liverpool, there's going to be the Eurovision Song Contest, and that's going to uh, take place in May. And the trouble is, there's going to be zillions of people in Liverpool at that time of the year. Uh, it'll be very popular, but without a doubt, people will be looking at the Beatles' history when they come and visit. No two ways about it. They're going to have a good old look. And um, if they do, and if ever you do, you can take advantage of uh, what I'm about to tell you. So, uh, like I say, you can visit Liverpool and its uh, environs and you can spend half a day, a day longer. Um, but let's just take in what you can do. All I'd recommend, I think the main thing I'd say to anyone who visits Liverpool to see Beetle things is they're in a small space. Liverpool's kind of like com sort of, um, compressed uh, compared to a city, all the cities I could mention, London, for example. Um, and all you need is a decent pair of training shoes and you're laughing because you can go top to tail in Liverpool and see all the Beatles sites that you've ever heard of uh, in half a day. Um, if you want to see a lot more stuff and get really involved, it might take you a day. And if you plan to stay for a week or two, yeah, easily, no problem. You could do that in about three or four days and you could see most of the things I'm talking about. For instance, if you're here half a day, you could go to the Oxford Street Maternity Hospital where John was born. And not far from there is the Mount Pleasant Registry Office. We know where that is. Mount Pleasant, of course. Uh, the Liverpool College of Art. Aye. That's not far away from <coughs> there either. Within walking distance. <laughs> Entirely. Yeah. So you forget your pogo stick, leave that at home. Yeah. Come out in your trainers and you can now see these things. What about uh, Vaughan's Fish and Ship Shop, Mark? Do you know where that is? Uh, no. It's round the corner from the Philharmonic Hall. Is it? Philharmonic Hall. On the main road? On the main drag, yeah, from Hope Street. Ah. So the, the fish and chip shop, or a chippy as we'd call it, that's where Paul <coughs> went uh, during school lunch times. That's where John went as a college student, and he got his chips and stuff from there. I well. suppose it's gone now. No, it's still there. Is it? It's a fancy posh cafe. Ah. And uh, it's Cobble Street outside. It looks very filmic. Uh, but there's Vaughan's chippy, and uh, lo and behold, it's still there. Kind of. I might go there tomorrow. Um, the Pilgrim, that's a pub. That's where the art college crowd went. Uh, if they weren't going into the other pub called The Crack. Aye. The Crack. There's the Jacaranda pub, which is now kind of a proper pub. And it's a club, and you can go there overnight and have a good uh, good old time. Walk past there the other day. Uh, the Mersey Beat office, however, is now flats. Ah. Uh, I did take some photos of it just before it was uh, redone and done up. Uh, and it doesn't look better for it. I preferred it the way it was. 
What about um, Blackler's store, where George was as a uh, worker, and he was a shop dresser and an electrician in his time there. It's a big old department store. Now it's a bunch of little stores. And um, it's here, a pub as well. It's a bit of a pub. So you can say you've been to Blackler's if you come at all. There's also the Cavern. Why not? But the thing is about where the cavern is, the cavern is in a place called Matthew Street. And Matthew Street comprised in its time, uh, when the Beatles were there, of the cavern and the grapes. And that's it. That's all mm. there was there. Nowadays, you go there, there's a Beatles uh, shop at the corner that sells souvenirs. Then there's a Beatles-themed pub. Then there's the cavern that was rebuilt. Then there's another place that's called Rubber Soul, I think, <coughs> Revolver Pub. Something like that. That's the Beatles' actual shop, which is one of the best shops going, the souvenir shop, the, the proper tourist shop, uh, and a bunch of eateries and drinkeries. And, and the cavern isn't where it was, where it is now, isn't where it originally was either. Yeah, I think um, in, in another episode we'll talk about, me and Mark, talk about our six degrees of separation. And no. who we know and what we know about people who really were in the cavern and people who really were famous and knowing Mike McCartney and uh, all the people who are connected with the Beatles. So we'll talk about that another time. Quite right. Two. Yeah, so if, if anything, then you come to Liverpool, you will see more than your share of Beatles stuff because you'll be tripping over it. It's everywhere, and luckily, for everyone concerned, it's close to everything else. So uh, uh, it's all in the Beatle Places book, and uh, it's called Take a Trip, Go Out and About, Spend a Day in Liverpool. Here you go. Super. Very good. You all nice, A nice walk around. Yeah, and, you know... Not uh, too far to walk, either, No, really. no, yeah. Yeah, it, on a corn plaster level, it's about a one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Let me write that down. It's uh, a one. Right. Should we do the quiz answers now, do you think? It's time. It looks like it's time. Crack on. Right. Are we ready? These are the answers to the Beetle Places trivia quiz. Um, here we go. I, the first question was, who left the band to pursue an art career? Any idea? Do you uh, know? Uh, I do know. Go on, then. <clears throat> and that would be Stu Sutcliffe. It was, indeed. Yeah. Stu Sutcliffe left the band to pursue an art career. He was the uh, the bassist. He was. But not a very good one, because he, he sort of... He was average. ...played around a little bit and didn't do the proper notes. So, um, <laughs> in the end, uh, Paul uh, took over. Yeah. Reluctantly, he reluctantly took over. Reluctantly took over as well. Can you imagine? And the second question was, who left the band to begin national service? And that was a bloke called Norman Chapman. That's right. Who was the drummer. He was, can yeah. Can you tell me a bit about Norman Chapman? Of course I can. Very, very early in the Beatles' career. Yeah, nice fellow, I believe. Right. Um, he had a girlfriend called Anastasia Pello. Wow, what a name. How I know that, I don't know. I looked ah. it up or figured it out or rang him up. Um, he worked in the upstairs part of, uh, on top of an art shop, across the road from the Jacaranda pub, club, cafe, whatever it was. Aye. And the Beatles heard him one day just practising one lazy afternoon. And they go, that's a drummer over there. So they made inquiries and this guy worked for a cash register company. But he brought his drum kit to the place because he could play there because 
drums are noisy. Aye. So he managed to get the chance to play uh, in his spare time, and they noticed him. So they signed him up, in a manner of speaking, and he uh, helped them out with quite a few gigs and uh, substantially uh, made a difference to the band because they needed a drummer. <coughs> he didn't go to Hamburg because he was called up for his army subscription. He was meant to be conscripted. His national service. His national service, as we call it in the UK. <coughs> so the poor fella... Uh, didn't miss his chance. I think he naturally wanted to go, but that was Norman Chapman. Aye, what a man. Not not many people know about him, actually. No. And finally, question number three was, who was given a feature credit on a Beatles record? Uh, and, of course, it was Billy Preston. Yeah, who played the keyboards. mentioned him already tonight. Uh, he was an excellent uh, pianist. Uh, very, um, he sort of put a bit of soul into their music. And uh, lots yeah. of fiddly bits. Gifted. That, uh, gifted, yeah. Gifted. He could play anything, really. Just uh, play this, they'd say to him, and blah, 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 off he'd go. <laughs> How'd he go? And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and he also played on the uh, concert for George at the Albert Hall um, the year after George Yeah, he had a hell of, a, hell of an afro, I remember um, that. Hell he of did, yeah. Great big thing. Um, and he was uh, he's a nice man by the look of it, and, yeah. and he's uh, featured in the, uh, the film... Um, the Let It Be film. Yeah. Get uh, back. Nice to see so, more of him, really. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and they were thinking, as I said before, thinking of maybe him joining the group as well. You could see that being a good fit because they didn't have a, an organist pianist uh, full on. And it would have added a bit of a context to later tunes. But as it was, you know, he had his time. He was good. All he, right. he was good. Super. So that is... That for this time Ta-ra. of the Beetle Places Trivia Quiz Answers. If you got all three right, there's 50 quid in the post <laughs> on its way to you as I speak. OK? Thanks, Marky Boos. Uh-huh. Well, uh, they close this place soon and they let the dogs loose, so we better wrap this episode up, I think, Macy Kins. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the licensees open the doors now and the, the windows, so all the cold's coming in. <laughs> So, go on, lads, out you go. Hey, hey, you lads go. and lasses, grab aye. your glasses. Aye, cheers. Yeah, put the wood in the hole. Yeah, so um, that, that's all off for, I think. Uh, that's a big 10-4, big buddy. Yep. We shall return, folks. Ha-ha. Oh, yes, I hope so. With a needle, no, a noodle, a huh? needle, noodle, noodle, another Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. But um, I think... A joke to end with. Oh, oh, as long as it's not an Elton John one, is it? Is that one of your own, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, okay, then. Okay, go on. What, what is it? What did the drummer name his twin daughters? Dunno. Uh, Anna one, Anna two. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's a cracker. Yeah. <laughs> Anna three, four. <coughs> hey, that's, that's a cracker. A Christmas cracker, actually. Oh, well, it makes sense. Pull the other one. Uh, well, they say time flies like an arrow, uh, fruit flies like a banana, and uh, <laughs> my flies are undone. <laughs> uh, our time is up for tonight. It's time to get the coat on, uh, get the cocoa out. And, we should uh, be sponsored by a cough mix, you firm. You know, we're having a bit of a rough one tonight. Yeah, yes, but... Um, Certainement, um, Monsieur G. That's French, is it? Uh, so that's our Beagle Places podcast done. Thank you for and, listening. Uh, for another night. So we'll, we're due to do another quiz uh, next time. And we'll put one together for you, especially just for you over there, him over there, her over there. So we'll put that together ASAP. Super. So um, while you're away, and well, pardon me, while we're a, a sort of attempting to 
to, to <laughs> combine ourselves together to make another Beetle Places podcast. Yes, to listeners. Uh, there's yes, Cole's listeners. books to buy as well. Oh, I. So there's uh, Beetle Places. Hello. A big thick book. Cost you 50 quid delivery. Yeah, you pay by the kilo. Uh, he's also done a book called Beatles Family Trees. Yeah, some actually, I just remember somebody in France bought it this week. Did they? Yeah, yeah. You wow. know, well, quel dommage. Why not? Uh, <laughs> Petit pois. Uh, yeah, uh, they might be ordering that too. Mange too, mange too. Mange too. Uh, and the new one, which is the Brain Buster Beatles Quiz Book. Here you go. As, as used by astronauts. Available at all reputable people called Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Mr. Amazon. Is yes, it? him. Yeah. Mr. Amazon. Yeah. Well, uh, there you go. That's very kind of you. Thanks, Mark. Um, checking the post. Um, I should have written more about myself, to be frank. Well, Frank? No, well, Frank, Frank as well. Is yeah. he here as well? No, he, no, he'll be here soon, yeah. Well, well uh, we'll have to wrap up and finish off, so uh, we're done. Yeah, because I've, uh, I've got work tomorrow. Yes, oh, yeah. Well, I haven't really, but... Uh, There's stuff to do. There's stuff to do. You've got those odorises to order as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Which uh, flavour was it? Uh, tandoori. Tandoori. And or... cheese and onion. Woo! One of each. <laughs> Woo, you were lucky. Anyway, uh, yeah. turn the red light off. Time to go. Aye. Yeah. Cheery bye, everyone. Ah, that's it. Get Cheerie it done, bye. then. Yeah. Aye. Thanks for listening to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. We hope to see you again soon and don't forget to visit the gift shop on the way out where you can buy all sorts of stuff.